This is an ABC podcast. So, Norman, your spies are everywhere. I've been getting... So we talked, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, about you spotted not wearing a mask at the Archibald Prizes. We've been inundated with other messages of people catching you misbehaving, someone saying that they saw you not wearing a mask at a health conference. What do you have to say for yourself? I took it off to have a photograph taken. This was my mistake. Well, you think that's bad. (laughs) Another person's written in saying, of all the things you've done, Norman, the worst is that you say rat test. Instead of just rat, it stands for rapid antigen test. Explain yourself. It's like saying the HIV virus. And yeah, but I, I never say the HIV virus but I do say rat test. I'm going to be shot for it. You know what? I think if that's the worst thing you've ever done, you're actually on a pretty good wicket. I don't know about that. I was uh, talking about mistakes we have made at the Melbourne Writers Festival on Friday night. I think you'll find if you listen to the recording of that, there are much worse ones. Oh, that sounds salacious. Oh, well, let us do a podcast all about the coronavirus and other viral nasties as well. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor coming to you from Yagara and Turrbal land. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan speaking to you from Gadigal Land. It's Wednesday the 14th of September 2022. And Norman, it's a crude measure but it's an important one to look at how many people are dying across the population at any given time because it can give us a sense of what is perhaps going on behind the scenes if there's changes in that number compared to what we've expected based on previous years. And we know that a lot of people have died of COVID in the last two years, two and a half years, but not every case of COVID is captured. So looking at these uh, gross numbers of deaths can be a bit of a clue. And um, it is a bit of a morbid topic, but there's a group of people in Australia, the Actuaries Institute, that has been looking at this in some detail to try to figure out what's going on behind the scenes, what we might be missing. Interestingly, this this group of actuaries has been quietly critical of other estimates of excess death rates. And they've actually rounded it down a little bit in terms of how many people you expected to die over a period of time in Australia and how many people you've actually seen and what the percentage increase is. They believe it's somewhere between 9 and 12% excess deaths, which is... Is that a 9 to 12% increase based on previous death rates? It's, it's 9 to 12% above what you would have otherwise expected for, for an equivalent period pre-COVID. And what they've done then is gone in and analysed this in quite a lot of detail. So, it, it, so obviously you've got thousands of COVID cases which are 100% excess because you had no COVID before. So those are in, they're entirely due to COVID. Particularly just looking at the first few months of this year, They also looked at other causes of death. So, for example, respiratory deaths have plummeted during the period of COVID. People have not been getting influenza, pneumonia and other respiratory problems or dying of them to the same, nearly the same extent. And that's due to mask wearing, social distancing and various things like that. All the interventions that have worked against COVID also work against these other things. That's right, because COVID is a respiratory infection. But what they have noticed an increase in. So, so cancer deaths are probably about the same as expected if you look b- both at the first few months of this year and overall. But what has gone up are heart attacks and stroke, diabetes and dementia. Those the causes there have gone up. That's deaths from these things. Is that maybe because they haven't been well managed because of 
pandemic restrictions? Well, the value of this report from the Actuaries Institute is that they actually take a punt at why this might have happened. So one reason is that you, as you say, you haven't been well treated for this because you haven't been able to go and see the GP and you've been diagnosed late. They think that is a contribution, but they would they only classify that as have, having had moderate impact. You also might say that you've been delayed in getting emergency care because you you know hospital ramping, ambulance ramping in hospitals, um, just getting to see somebody when you're acutely ill, and they reckon that that the impact of that is probably low to moderate. Maybe you haven't been able to see your GP and you've been delayed in terms of treatment for your chronic disease. And again, they don't rate that very highly, low to moderate. Lifestyle changes during the, during the pandemic in terms of excess deaths, low impact. Uh, they even looked at vaccine-related deaths. They say that's negligible. Undiagnosed COVID-19 deaths, they reckon if you're going to die of COVID, you're discovered. So that's, again, negligible. So what they're putting a lot of this down to is actually the effects of COVID on these causes of death. So dementia, heart disease and stroke. Can I ask about that? Because we have, we've heard a lot about the fact that COVID can affect your, your vascular system, your, your blood and your veins. So stroke, heart disease, okay, that kind of, you can draw a line between those two things. But dementia and diabetes, they feel like a, I don't see the connection instantly with those. Well, the connection with dementia, uh, there, there's, there are more than one, there's more than one study showing increased risk of dementia over a period of time after you've been infected with COVID-19 and cognitive impairment as well. And that's put down to inflammation in the brain. Not proven, but that's the theory, is that COVID-19 sets up an immune reaction in your body uh, that causes inflammation and irritates the blood vessels, causing problems. And therefore, if you've already got precarious brain function, then COVID could tip you over the edge. Similarly, for heart disease and stroke, there's a direct effect, in theory, on the blood vessels, and that causes a prolonged increased risk from heart disease and stroke. With diabetes... Diabetes is a very significant risk factor for coronary heart disease and stroke. In fact, it's as high as having had a stroke or a heart attack before, which puts you at very high risk. So the likelihood is that with diabetes, the route to premature death is through heart disease and stroke. So what do we do with this information as a system, a health system funding that sort of thing? Do people who've had COVID, should they be managed more aggressively if they've got things like um, early heart disease or diabetes, or is it about medication or just more monitoring? It's a very good question. I don't think anybody's got the answer to that yet. One is vaccination, because vaccination certainly reduces the risk of long COVID, and you would assume it's going to reduce the risk of these complications moving forward. Antivirals, there's a hint that antivirals might have a similar effect. So if you get treated for your COVID-19, you're going to reduce it, but not eliminate that risk you're certainly going to, to have to amp up the um, management of coronary heart disease risk factors. So, for example, if you've had a heart attack or angina, or you've had a stent or something like that, you've had a cardiac event, then you go on low-dose aspirin, you reduce your cholesterol almost regardless of what your cholesterol level is, and you, you probably go on a blood pressure reduction medication, again, almost regardless of what your blood pressure is, because you are at higher risk 
at a lower level of these risk factors when you've had a coronary event of some kind. Now, it may be, and they haven't sorted this out yet, that having had COVID-19 puts you at much higher risk and therefore you've got to really aggressively treat these risk factors so they're down at an incredibly low level, particularly if you're older. So, you know, a change in the management, the treatment of coronary risk is probably called for here. Then the question is, does low-dose aspirin help in the long run? Because they say, well, there's no evidence that low-dose aspirin, if you haven't had a coronary event, prevents further ones. But does low-dose aspirin prevent coronary events if you've had COVID-19? And is that equivalent of having a coronary event? We don't know the answer to that yet. But there's increasing interest in taking aspirin when you've got COVID-19 to see if you can reduce the impact of COVID-19 on you. And there's also increasing risk of using non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen and others in preventing the progression of COVID-19. The problem is ibuprofen is not good at preventing coronary heart disease um, at all. It's aspirin that prevents uh, the clotting and blockage problem with coronary heart disease. Okay, so before people just start self-medicating out of their um, medicine cupboard. This is looking at population-level data and trying to figure out what trends might be happening. What should individuals do if they're worried? I think we all need to know, regardless of the age of a person in coronary cast listening, we all need to know what our coronary risk is. And that starts in your 20s. In your 20s, just once in your 20s, you need to know what your blood pressure is and your cholesterol. And if it's up a bit, you need to do something about it. You don't necessarily need a drug unless it's sky high, but changing your, you know, losing a bit of weight, reducing your alcohol intake, certainly not smoking, those sorts of things get your risk right down. Then in your 30s, you probably, again, once in your 30s, you need to know what your cholesterol and your blood pressure is. And again, if it's really high, you might need drug treatment, and that could prevent you getting coronary heart disease several decades later if it's sky high. Otherwise, it's lifestyle changes. With COVID around, we should all be getting our coronary risk factors down rock bottom. We should be making sure that we've got very low levels of LDL, the low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, which is at high risk. We haven't got high blood pressure. We're watching our salt intake, keeping our weight down. And you would assume then that the risk of COVID-19 will be proportionately lower should you get it. And finally... Don't start low-dose aspirin without advice from your doctor because there's still no evidence that it is going to prevent an increased risk with COVID-19 unless you've had a previous coronary event. So that's yet to be proven. So that's less advice to the audience and more advice to researchers on what to put their, uh, their attention on. Very difficult research to do to prove that taking low dose aspirin if you haven't had a coronary event to prove that in a clinical trial to years and massive numbers. It was an Australian trial. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast. If you've got questions, you can go to abc.net.au slash coronacast and ask them there, as always. And we'll see you next week. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>